Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 57. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my observant, zesty, and powerful guest co-host, Tierney Steele. Welcome, Tierney. I've got real user power. <laughs> You've got real user power. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. What happens in this minute? Not well, the user power line. <laughs> not the user power line. That's almost like the Nintendo Power Glove, you know? Like, now you're playing oh, with yeah. power. Like, oh. <laughs> uh, in this minute, we bid goodbye to dear sweet Ram. And uh, we get a small shot of Tron jogging up closer to the input-output tower that he needs to go to to connect to Alan 1. But most of this minute is taken up with the last final tragic minutes of Dan Shore's performance as the program, the actuarial program, Ram. I was really disappointed when we met Ram and it turned... Because Ram is a thing, Ram is a computer thing. Yeah. So the fact that he's like, I'm an actuarial yeah. program. I'm like, really, dude? Okay. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's two There's two things. Like, he was just called Ram because that's a computer word. Yeah. I think that's that's. But it. he wasn't uh, Ram. Like <laughs> He was. Yeah, but he wasn't Ram. I think they were like, well, there's only so much we can do for the audience here. I think yeah. at the time... Home computers, I think, had like just been introduced, so people were aware of the word yeah. computer. You know, like they weren't really aware of the actual parts. But that's random access mem- memory, and it would have been cool to have him maybe be a bit random or something Any, like that. I don't know anything. anything. Well, anything. actually, no. You know what this means? This means can I have some of your popcorn? Whatever guy named his actuarial program Ram. <laughs> Okay, sure, yeah. Because yeah. Tron is named Tron, Clue is named Clue. Like, these are programs that were named by their users. And so that means That's that right. guy named his program Ram. <laughs> that's a very good point. Yeah, There's that's right. <laughs> real character development for that guy because that's a choice. <laughs> that's a real choice. Yeah, that's really like... Not really, uh, not really the best naming guy, no, I guess. Great, great, so great pro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other thing that a, a few earlier co-hosts were saying that if he's an actuarial program, he could have like actuarial powers, you know, like prediction <laughs> powers, but he doesn't, uh, doesn't really have anything like a that. Real missed opportunity. <laughs> But Little I do love opportunity. him. He is sweet. That's why I was saying the last minute, I'm like, maybe this is his hero moment because this is a real like breakthrough moment for him. His last minute, he's so like, he's pretty triumphant. He's pretty happy yeah. meeting his end here. He really is. And also in the presence of a user because I mm-hmm. think his whole, he's been the disillusioned guy for this whole movie. He's, you know, we meet him in prison. He's making the best of it. He seems to be sardonic in the face of, I don't know, a deep sadness. He's not happy at the way the world is, but here in his last moments, he gets to meet an actual user before he dies, which is like a really beautiful moment for him. And I'm sorry that I think the his absence for the rest of the movie is really felt. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a, I'm I'm ashamed that I mean I'm not. It's a shame that he's not there anymore because he 
you know, when you, it's like a, a red shirt on an away mission, right? You know, you, there's, uh, these two main characters and some other guy. And you're like, oh no, yeah. that other guy's gonna, gonna buy it at some point. Except- and unfortunately, yeah. Ram sort of, fills that role here he's he's more than just some other guy and he is like a supporting Ram character. might be like my favorite character and i'm just looking up one thing now to make sure yes i am really mad sam flynn from tron Regacy. yeah what a missed opportunity could he not have named that kid ram <laughs> how amazing would it have been if flynn named his kid ram in honor of oh, this guy oh man and you the just kid's blew name is sam it's so dang close <laughs> man if they named the kid ram you could have all sorts of you could have jokes in there about oh. it you could comment on it he could be like why the hell did my dad name me ram and then he could find out when he's inside the grid oh yeah. that would have been a wonderful a wonderful little homage a little oh. testament but to uh oh well missed that's great that's a really good missed opportunity indeed <laughs> right it's like yeah but i the one thing I, as much as i made fun of his oh my user and i also do i love his like help trod and i just want to yell him like that's been the plan all along <laughs> like, <laughs> you're using your last breath on this earth to say help trod and it's like yeah he, uh, that's yeah. what he's gonna do I'm, I'm literally on my way right now you know like the, okay sure i was thanks. gonna stop anything, anything and like else? help you on the way but <laughs> helping tron has yeah. always been the goal <laughs> one thing i like here is that when he says uh ram plaintively asks flynn are you a user and it really reminded me of uh ghostbusters when he's like <gasps> Yeah. Are you a god? You know, and Flynn <laughs> Flynn knows the answer. Flynn yep. actually knows the answer. He's like, yes, yes, yep. yes, I am. Which I really like because I never, I mean, I guess I understood kind of why he was lying. But like Flynn lying about being a program, he was so bad at it. And it just seemed <laughs> kind of unnecessary. <laughs> Yeah, if he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, I'm, uh, I'm a program. I just don't remember anything. Yeah, yeah. that's, uh, that's oh, what's I'm, happening. I'm starting to remember. My user wants me to do this, and it's like, I get that he did that. I assume just because otherwise these guys just assume he's crazy and they don't go with him. Yeah. But like, yeah, again, the goal all seems to kind of work together. If you've been like, I know you don't believe me, but you just gotta trust me. And since we're all working to do the same thing. Let's just do it together. And yeah. then they could realize he's a user. He doesn't need to like do that whole pretend like, uh, yeah, sure, I'm totally a program. Right. That would be a very interesting movie if it's like Ram and Tron and they have this sort of obviously unhinged, unbalanced, <laughs> bonkers program that they're dragging <laughs> along with them. Okay. And then somewhere in Maybe somewhere in the <laughs> Somewhere in the third act, this eccentric person they have that they've got like with them just out of pity, you know, shoots lasers out of his hands or something, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, he was Are he was telling the truth." God, yeah, yeah. We've had we've had you know computer Jesus here with us the whole time. You know, like now, see, I think an actual computer Jesus would have enjoyed that, but. 
that is neither here nor there. And yeah, we are not yeah. to Tierney Debates philosophy part of this minute yet, but we're getting there. No, nope, um, we're getting there. I am... So one thing I'm really happy about and one thing I'm really confused, bordering on angry about, um, I'm thrilled. I finally realized Jeff Bridges, when he has the helmet on, he looks like Paul Newman. That's who he's looked like this whole time. Like, when he doesn't look like Jeff Bridges. When it's just his face, it looks like Paul Newman. Because I I gotta say, Tron, Ram, and Flynn... I, I don't mean to say they all look alike, but they all look alike. <laughs> I mean... Well, that's but, one of the problems. That, like, conceptually, Tron was supposed to be, like, a bodybuilder. But, and he was supposed to be, like, in his early 50s, like, with a lot okay. of scars. So he was supposed to be this giant tank, this unstoppable oh. warrior who's been tired and he's been fighting for 50 years. And he's this unstoppable juggernaut of a gladiator who is just they they can't kill him and he keeps fighting and that's why he's such a such a symbol of the users to the rest of the programs because he's something else and Flynn was supposed to be a weedy skinny nerdy short guy and they were supposed to team up and unfortunately when they cast it they cast Bruce Bockleitner and Jeff Bridges who are literally the exact same height yeah. And they have a, a, a very similar build. So it was like, and oh, shoot. Dan okay, Shore, well, who's about the same. Like, there's three guys the running same. around and they all look very similar. Yeah. Like, you can tell them apart when you're paying attention. But if you just glance, it's, it's sad. Yeah, which which one's that? You know, like, yeah. they're, they're all pretty similar, which I, I, I think you could do again, a whole English paper on how that's on purpose and the program and the interchangeability and blah, blah, blah. But for the purposes of watching a movie. And then, yeah, I was looking at Jeff Bridges and I'm like, yeah, no, but he looks like someone else. I'm not thinking of, you know, I'm not confusing him with Tron. Yeah. What does he remind me of? And the way he's looking at Ram in these last few moments, all of a sudden it clicked and I'm like, young Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Okay. All right. Sure, sure. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Paul Newman had okay. some really seriously blue eyes, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, yes. they would have would just you... in, in black and white in this movie. They that would have just... been his uh, superpower in this. Area. Yeah, they would have just leapt off the screen. <laughs> they just leave them blue. Yeah. Um, but the whole time that this is happening, and I'm like, aha, I get it. Ram is turning red which is supposed to represent death except that this movie has spent 57 minutes telling us that red is the evil color oh that's what okay well that you just explained it to me because <laughs> i <laughs> uh yeah because that's confusing i suppose red could be like you know you're running on empty you know like that's the that's the warning section of every dial is red so like yeah he's red means stop stop yeah he's pulse he's pulsing blood you know like he's pulsing like this is he's strobing out of existence and it's going to red but yeah anything strobing red you're gonna assume something bad is happening yeah but like you said they have established an entire movie here stating that red (laughs) is just the other team red is just bad guys that's a good point i figured it was maybe because he was on the bridge of the of the recogn of a red recognizer that he was you know maybe uh i don't know you're right <laughs> i guess that's all I'm it doesn't work 
They needed something visually to indicate him getting weaker. Even if he would have started... But they picked something that contradicts what they've already done. If he had just faded, or if he had started maybe glowing white or something, something a little more, you know, spirity or ghosty or like, you know, ascending to heaven-y kind of a thing, that would have been... But yeah, the red's a little confusing when they've spent the The rest of the problem. Good point. Yeah, the problem is... We have not seen any other programs, quote unquote, die naturally. Not naturally, no. We've seen a bunch of them get taken out in battle or whatever. We've only seen them, what are they, uh, de-res, right? Yeah. That's what they call it? We needed to see what happens when a program dies. Yeah. (laughs) Because this is the first time we're seeing it, so it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh... You know, it's tough. I just, maybe they could have had, yeah, like a kind of, well, they were kind of in a, I guess they were kind of in a hard place to try to represent what that would look like. Like, cause he's going back mm-hmm. to, it's like, he's going back to nature, you know? And this is, mm-hmm. this is their one shot to show what, an, uh, yeah, like you said, a quote unquote natural yeah. death looks like, but. Yeah, I love the the effect when he derezzes. I'm just gonna call it that because that's what it is. Like he literally disintegrates, yeah. and dissipates into the air. And that's when I was joking, like this is really philosophically beautiful. Like he literally dissipates, yeah, like, into little lines on the a, ground. It's like he's really going back to join nature. He's joining the sort of electronic yeah. flow of that world. Electronic nature. Electronic <laughs> nature. Yeah. This is what it is. I love this red effect. And I, I got to say, just a few years later, the Care Bears movie, too, would have a very similar red glowy effect. In it. Oh, yeah, really? I don't think there was much overlap between those animation offices. Probably not. No. No. But yeah, again, growing up in the 80s, this all kind of like swirled in my brain together where the minute that started to happen to him, I'm like, I know exactly what's happening here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, like, that part of it, I think, is beautiful story-wise, beautiful visually, beautifully acted. Like, I love the whole thing. Yeah. But the whole, like, oh, he's turning red, that's really weird. We've literally been trained. Yeah. Oh, red are the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... And and spoilers for later in the movie, there's going to be some color switching and that. I was just like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a weird it's a strange choice. Like it seems like a, a good choice if you'd not seen the rest of the movie, you'd understand what was going on here. But as it is, you're like, mm, that's that's a little strange. But like you said, with the acting is really good. They're selling the, they're selling the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. Like Flynn r- really looks like Jeff Bridges really looks like he's on the edge of tears. And this goes for like yeah, this goes for like the entire movie was like from its inception. They sent these scripts out and everybody they sent the scripts to was like what the heck are you talking about what is this movie about i don't i don't even remotely understand like bruce boxleitner was doing a western he'd done a lot of westerns and he was on the back of a horse reading this script going nope hard pass hard pass and uh and, and but jeff bridges was the only one who was like wild man sure sounds great i love it i get it let's do it perfect you know so and you can you can really see it here whenever like whenever you remember that they're just on a black stage and they're not looking at anything 
his acting really is more and more impressive with every scene. And this is one of them, right? Like they're in a, they're in a, what kind of situation are the actors in here? It's a, it's a bizarre situation for them to be in, but he's really inhabiting it, you know, and it really looks like he's saying goodbye to his dear friend. And I really like how you said he looks like he's on the verge of tears. And I think that is perfect because Flynn is, kind of a jerk to borrow a term from yeah. the movie i'm analyzing yeah. jover's volcano flynn is a flibberty gibbet okay like that absolutely fits him he is not a serious guy mm-hmm. but he has been thrust into this situation he has gotten to know this guy yeah he's not going to cry over what his body like that's gone but he shows you all that emotion without actually crying, it, which is perfect, I think, for, for his character. Yeah, and I think there's a moment as a turning point here. Like, <clears throat> one thing that keeps happening in this movie is that he is astounded at what real-world parts are inside the computer world. You know, like, <clears throat> when he first gets transported there, he's like, okay, everything's bright. I think I might be in the computer. I'm hallucinating. I'm dreaming. Maybe I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's trying to get used to that. But then he's like, oh, people here have affection. You know, oh, people here have humor. Like he's sort of like, okay, this is. And then he, when he sees the sort of top down fascist hierarchy of, of Sark and the MCP, he's like, oh, well, yeah, this is familiar. You know, this is mm-hmm. just like the, the outer world, you know oligarchs gonna oligarch kind of thing and then uh and then here he is like he's like oh geez i love this guy and he's dying Mm -hmm. like this is a good friend of mine and he's dying like this is wow this happens here too and i think he's sort of this is the moment where he stops this stops being a lark this stops Mm. being a video game this stops being something he's trying to sort of abstractly get with and starts becoming Mm -hmm. something that he really really cares about and that the stakes are high and uh this is when he sort of really becomes i guess part of the resistance for lack of a better word or something like that (laughs) that's that's the that's the that's that's what i get out of it anyway it's such a beautiful scene it's played so well yeah it really is aside from the the color the colorful power or whatever but yeah, but again, that's not something they probably even knew would be happening until they saw it up on screen. Yeah, they, yeah, um, again, yeah. And it's so frustrating because it makes sense logically. Like, the way our brains are trained by the world, we see him turning a color and we're like, oh, we know what that means. And it gets yeah. more vivid and stronger. Yeah. And so, like, like you said, if you were just watching this one scene, it makes perfect he fades you know you're like oh okay fading that makes sense Mm -hmm. i get i still but i still i still remember watching this as a kid going like well yeah but what's happening to him Mm -hmm. like it doesn't there's i think it's the the red uh combined with the fact that there is no obvious damage on him that is really like okay it doesn't look like he's succumbing to a mortal wound it looks like he's just mysteriously disappearing for some reason oh my goodness could you have when he was injured let's just make things harder for the filmmakers (laughs) could he have lost a limb that yeah then it isn't there 
And then he could say, like, my file has become corrupted or something like yeah. that. Like, like, because that visually shows, like, he's missing part of his programming. Yeah. He can't continue without it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's why. I feel like there's a way to do that that could have been really cool and a weird. A glowing yellow head wound with some sparks or something, or missing a limb, mm-hmm. or like that, yeah, that Max Headroom editing of where he'll like repeat a couple words or something like that. Um, I could have been accidental. Oh, no, I like the glowing, sparking head wound because then as Flynn leans in closer, you would have the sparks going off in the background. It makes it even better yeah, for, uh, for, sure. for Flam there. Some, yeah, or Flam <laughs> as Flam. Yeah. <laughs> Because as it is, he almost seems to die of like ennui or despair or something like that, and it's uh, yeah. Don't 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 go Padme on me. Don't do yeah. that to me. <laughs> he's Pad- we can't do this. Oh, he's no 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 he's no. Pad- no. He's no, Padme no, 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 no. out. He's Padme out. Quick. <laughs> oh, no. Get him. Get him a greeting card from her. Uh, let him know. Let her know that he cares. Yeah. She just died. Oh. Yeah. But I also, it also maybe looks like, like I was saying, it also looks like maybe he's the power. His power is being leached out by the recognizer, mm-hmm. which I think is a little too dark. I don't want that to to be the case. So, yeah. And it's I like the I like the yeah. music here because it goes it goes hard into schmaltz. It goes hard into like. <laughs> Here comes the sad death. You know, like it's really, really, really <laughs> just pumping that. If that it had out. lyrics, that's what they would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then it, uh, as he, as uh, he says, help Tron, would you? Kind of like kind of out of nowhere, but also kind of, I guess mm-hmm. that's what they were already doing. Um, <laughs> he, he relaxes and then the music mm. gears, it just backs way off. And we get this two-note minimalist sort of plaintive dance as he fades, the music fades kind of thing. It's it's really nice. Yeah. It's really, really nice. And then there's a sound effect that's almost like a, a heart being heard through a sonogram. And then it changes to more of a wind sound effect with tinkling crystals. Okay. And then the red and rams circuitry glows brighter, pulsing and fading away to transparency as the meat parts fade away completely. And then Flynn says, Ram! And we get that, yeah, the sprinkling, the twinkling red sparkles <laughs> in the center as they yeah. fall and they scatter in linear linear patterns. Like the power that drove Ram is trying to seek out local circuits to become electricity again or something. <laughs> Very, it's like philosophical. It's like that's this is sort of a philosophical part here too. Like, you know, I've heard similar things about our own souls that like while we might not retain our conscious selves, our energy goes back to the universe yeah right so that's kind of a kind of but in the grid it's literal like it's yeah (laughs) and you can see it and there's a sound effect for it there there they go it's (laughs) happening right there right you know yeah (laughs) one thing that's interesting is that these red sparkles going off they're all they're hand-drawn like like a lot of the things in this film there was just all these effects animators have been working at Disney for 40 years. And it's like, we need sparkles doing stuff. And it's like, oh, that's great because I'm the sparkles doing stuff guy. And I have been for 40 years. Like, you know. Here's my business. Here we do. So I can, I can do that no problem. You know, so Aww. a lot of the stuff that was in this, in this film was done by really old techniques. It's a great, it's a great crossroads of cutting edge stuff that had never been done before. And 
old processes that were had been in use mm-hmm. for the last 40 or 50 years in cinema. It's wild that they sort of mixed them all together into one film. Mm-hmm. But then that's it. Mood change! Here's Tron. Mood change! Running. See you, Ram. <laughs> and uh, Flynn puts his hands on the ground looking around, and then we cut to an alley opening onto a concourse, like the promenade to an 80s mall or something like that. He turns left as he comes out of the alley and runs off screen. And you can see, like I was talking about earlier with the giant 65-millimeter cameras needing like vast amounts of light to light the characters cleanly with no blur, you can see that when Tron is running here, there's an unavoidable blur, and it's very hard to mat the blur out from the black background. So you get a really hard black outline around uh, Bruce Boxleitner here. Yeah. I, I can't unsee it now. Every time a character runs or moves fast, it's just really there, right? There's only so much you can do, and yeah. I think it's probably still a problem today to some extent. So now you've got like the high-speed cameras and all that, but it's, uh, it's, it's something. Uh... It's a problem. Well, I remember because uh, I remember hearing with green screens, the things that you don't want are like frizzy hair, translucent fabric, or smoke, or anything like that, right? That's mm. it's, oh, it's why they're adding. That's why they've got helmets in the in the movie because there's a bunch of pre-production stills of them with like <laughs> with like computer hair you know like uh oh, they've got no. like future hair or like computer grid mainframe and hair and so it's all like oh. moosed up into spikes and frosted tips and all this kind of stuff and uh it just was it was a it looked it didn't it looked a little dumb and then b it uh it it was really hard to work with in terms of matting it out. So that's why they ended up with just oh God, I'd imagine. helmets, you know, give, give them a good, a good hard line you can cut out from the background. How convenient. How convenient. <laughs> and it also helps make them all look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird too, because we just watched Flynn and the first few moments of Tron running out of the alley, you're like, is that, did Flynn leave the replicator? Ex- What's going exactly, on? Exactly. Exactly. The recognizer. There you go. Yeah. Like it's uh, the, uh, what was it? Like this would have been a good moment for Flynn and Ram to take off their helmets when they're looking at each other, they're holding hands. Are you okay? Like take off their helmets and look at each other. That would have been a good moment for it. Right. I mean, you know, of course they, they couldn't, I don't think they can. I get, I I sort of get the feeling their helmets are part of their bodies. The thing. Yeah. Yeah. I always imagined it being one thing, but it's your establishing shot from far away doesn't work if all your characters are interchangeable, except in close up. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It just it took a it took a second, and it does go very quickly before even the end of this minute. We're like, ah, yes, that is Tron. Ah, yes, he's looking at the input output. All right, cool. I am back on board with what's happening. But there, there is that few minutes of um. God, it's not Uncanny Valley, but it's like a dissonance. Like, I know what's happening, but I don't know what's happening at the same time. Yeah, like... uh, It's like lag on your brain. Yeah. Like, oh, right, that's where we are. Right, yeah. Two scenes after the introduction, you're like, oh, okay, 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 I get it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Tron comes to a jogging stop and looks out over a balcony and then there's a twittering computery sound in the soundtrack here and a few bass beats and then we see the input-output tower in the distance, but it's much closer now. So that's his, he's once... I love the design of this movie! Oh, the design is something that you just... That was one thing that I was really glad that they managed to 
pretty much nailed in legacy was the design and the soundtrack because um those are two things from this movie from the original the 1982 one they're just so bold even now like there's like three or four things that i can think of that really define the 80s from a design standpoint and tron is one of them right like there's mm. the nagel painter or nagel nagel i forget his name but he did the cover to like duran duran's rio he did all these like super minimalist portraits of people with like just mm. basic colors and you should I'll, I'll i'll we'll link we'll link to him in the in the in the show notes here but him and then Tron, uh, this this sort of aesthetic of Tron is so. I, I guess it's kind of disrespectful to call it eighties because it was just it's kind of bold and timeless. Like no one's done anything like it since, and uh, nobody had done anything like it before. So it's kind of its own thing. It happened in the eighties, but it doesn't necessarily. But it's very yeah. I'm really glad they didn't go for computer hair because. That's one of my things where it's like, don't try to predict the future. Yeah. Make a futuristic world if you want and make things work for in that world. And then you can explain, you know, and sometimes you'll get it right. I mean, uh, the the Star Trek predicted cell phones and like all this stuff that that people talk about and um, Blade Runner and things that happen in there. But it's, it's really one of those where it's like. You just make your world and then make things that fit in that world. Don't try and predict how people are going to dress in 40 years. Like, has that ever gone well? Well, it's also (laughs) like, you know, just from a little, you know, production standpoint thing, when you're putting something in the, or in the past, like if you're setting a movie in Mm -hmm. 1940 and all the cars on the street are 1940 cars, then you messed up. Because mm. only people that could buy a brand new car that year will be driving 1940 cars. Everybody else will be driving 1932 cars or 1928 cars because yeah. they're still on the road after a lot of repairs. And it's kind of the same in, in the future. Everything's not going to be the future, future, future. You know, like there's going to be a lot of stuff that's still there from now. You know, the cutting edge and the, 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 the people that can afford it, sure, they'll have some pretty amazing futuristic stuff. That's what I kind of liked about Logan when he's a mm. he's a limo driver mm-hmm. and his car looks like a limo that will come out in 10 years. It doesn't it's not a hover car, you know, it doesn't have like yeah. a laser turret. Yeah. It's just, you know, a little bit more advanced. And I, I kind of. Yeah kind of like that but your your point is very 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 valid like just make the world and then make it work right yeah and then yeah if you predict something's cool and what you didn't oh well you know this is just one possible in this universe this is what it's like and i think that works very well for tron and and the movie takes place in 82 but i mean the futuristic elements i i don't know it actually that's a really good point. They're not supposed to be futuristic at all, and yet they feel like it because it's like, oh, computers. Yeah, computers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because the real world segments have kind of done a boomerang for me because when I saw them in the theater as a kid, they were just shots of the real world. They were just shots of, okay, this is mm-hmm. outside. And then, uh, yeah. and then when I saw it again in like, 98 or something i was like whoa that is look at those fashions (laughs) this is so 80s look at that hair look at those glasses and then 
when I saw it again recently for this podcast, I'm like, oh, some of that stuff's coming back in style. This doesn't look as yeah. horrifyingly dated as I uh, as it, as it did back in '98 or whatever. But. I I will give a quick shout out to um to Flynn's as we see it early in this movie. Yeah. Because I, like I said, I was just too young for this age, really. Yeah. Like, not by that much, but I was around. But what's really funny is someone who was not, who I've only met in the past. I've never met him in real life. I've only known him for a few years. But Tom Taylor grew up in the town next to mine. Okay. And he has these amazing stories of, like, going to the arcade. There was an arcade hall that was amazing that people would do birthday parties at. And then... um. All the, like, pizza places would have arcade sure. games in them. And when I was growing up, it would be like, oh, yeah, I vaguely remember there being, like, one or two arcade games in that pizza place. But it wasn't, like, what... You, and in his gener- mind, that's like, that's what you went there for. <laughs> yeah. The pizza was a bonus. Yeah, the pizza, the pizza was f- so, fuel to play video it's games. So, yeah. It's so weird to compare our memories because they are so close and yet there's that little bit of dissonance of he's just older yeah, than me enough yeah. that we had completely different experiences. Huh, that's wild. That's wild. And so looking at Flint is like, I just imagine that's what it was like every day in the 80s. And I just <laughs> I just missed it because I was a baby then. You know, a kid then. It, it really was like growing like growing up in that heyday as well, like being like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 during the sort of heyday yeah. of the arcade getting to see movies in theaters that i would have to find on vhs years later in a blockbuster yeah yeah like yeah. The, the, i think flynn's was kind of uh in some ways a idealized version of what an arcade should be but it was also pretty accurate to like what the best arcades actually were and uh it's it's it was a really it's too bad that it was such a brief window because it was something that you can't really go back to. There are arcades that open now that have retro games in them. And it kind of just shows you that you can't go home again. Like you go there, mm-hmm. you you enjoy playing the games, but you're like, well, it sure isn't 1983 though. You know, like it, <laughs> it's it's kind of fun, but it just kind of highlights that that, uh, yeah. that that era is is gone forever. But it sure was something when it was happening. And the aesthetic, yeah. the sounds, the colors, the graphics, the the artwork on the sides of the video games, it was a real, a real uh, design chapter of the human race. Yeah. I will say I called out fun spot in New Hampshire earlier. And one of my favorite memories of that, and because I don't have that memory of the original arcade halls, I think it was different where I could just enjoy it. Yeah. That's what this looks like. And um, the reason I went there was it was my friend's 30th birthday. And they're one of the places where they have, like, the area where you can do birthday parties and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that's where you can have food, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And so, like, we had to go there to do the cake. And so, like, I'm playing Asteroids. And I actually got to do the Atari Star Wars where you're doing the trench oh, run yeah, and cool. all that stuff. And then we got paged over. And it's like, Russ's birthday party, please report to whatever. And it's like us in our 30s and a whole bunch of, like, six-year-olds no way. in the birthday uh. section. We were adults in the birthday because i guess most people even if you are doing it like as a birthday celebration 
you don't actually bring a cake and candles and stuff. And we were like, oh, no, we're having this experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going. And then I have this really, <laughs> I have this really great picture. I wasn't one of them. I took the picture of um the Simpsons arcade game with the four controllers, yeah. the four people. Yeah. And it was four friends playing each other. Like, that never happens. You always end up like someone trying to do two at once or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, Something's on the autoplay or whatever it yeah. is, but I guess it wouldn't be autoplay. But yeah, I have a really great picture of the birthday boy and his on the Simpsons. That's awesome. It was really fun. <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, it, it definitely, I, I can see the difference you're talking about, though, where if you had a memory of being one of those kids at a birthday at an arcade hall and then you did this for your 30s, it would not be as fun. No, it would be it weird. It would be a little, yeah, a little weird. Yeah, but, but, but it would be since it was our first experience. It was. I great. think it would be a lot more fun <laughs> if there were a whole group of six-year-olds also celebrating a birthday there. I'd be like, okay, you know, it survives. The the future is certain. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You'd be able to sort of enjoy it through them, right? Yeah. Well, okay. I guess that brings us up to the end of the uh, the end of the minute. A bit of the differences with the the novel and the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the novel, it's pretty much the same. It says that Ram turns into scan lines, whatever that means, which is, I guess, just right. sort of. Yeah. But there's a great sentence where it really makes it clear that Flynn has turned a corner. He says, to think of Ram as a program who'd derezzed was inconceivable. A friend and ally had died. You know, so he's really like, this is no longer a trippy game to Flynn. That the the stakes are real now, and he's very immersed in it. And also, he's alone. Mm. Tron's gone. Ram's gone. He's just lost, flying a recognizer around, wondering what to do now. Which is, I guess, a pretty scary place to be when you're sort of realizing, okay, I know jack about this world and i thought i was really good at it you know <laughs> the one person who was helping me just died yes. so that can't yes, be good it's not gonna go well <laughs> the screenplay however now i want you to brace yourself because <clears throat> the screenplay okay. is wildly different so i was saying remember in the last minute flynn can't start up the recognizer right he can't get it started, and then Ram's Ram's dying, so he goes over to Ram. Ram's like, come over here, and clasps Flynn's hands, and then suddenly all of Ram's power flows through their clasped hands into Flynn. Flynn tries to pull away, but Ram won't let him. Ram says, a little more juice is all it needs, and disappears, sending all of his energy flowing into Flynn, giving him the tipping point of power needed to start the recognizer. And then that's it. No deathbed mission to help Tron. No conversation about being a user at all. And I'm just like... Uh, I hate to lose the user stuff, but I the minute you said, oh, that's right, the recognizer, I'm like, he's going to give him... Like, his energy is going to go into the recognizer. That's how... I wonder. Uh, yeah. I wonder if there's an edit out there where they did that, where like even if his power, yeah. even if he doesn't purposely send all his power into Flynn, which I don't know if I don't know if computers can do that to each other. So that would be a weird sort of. Yeah, I think it makes more sense how you said you used to worry that like the recognizer was like essentially yeah leeching leeching like, the power out of him leeching yeah. leeching power out of him like if he. 
was if he was like ah i'm not gonna make it but i can give my power to to you know yeah that makes more sense than through flynn yeah and i guess i see what they were going for like flynn's got the power cue the music yeah but i yeah yeah like when you see him when he when he passes away and you see his energy kind of just scatter in linear lines yeah it's kind of like it's going in you could have yeah but anyway i don't know um but referencing the song that i don't even know the name of but the one that's you got the power um (laughs) uh that's something i really respect the score for at the end of this minute of you could absolutely envision a version of this movie where a techno beat starts yeah as he looks at the tower yeah like, there was a little part of me that, because I didn't remember all of the movie, was almost braced for, like, the techno music to start. Sure. And it never did. And I was really proud of it for that. Yeah, that's <laughs> one thing about this movie that is, uh, they really, they were kind of forced to add pop music. Because there's mm-hmm. a band, uh, Journey, they have two songs in this movie. And yeah. one of the songs is playing during the... Uh, the arcade scene in the background and one of them plays over the closing credits and everything else is wendy yeah. carlos because they were like uh hey man a lot of movies they have uh, hit records we need a hit record journey's journey's popular hey put journey in the movie okay. and the sound designers and hey. the sound directors were like no no <laughs> apparently they approach super tramp about yeah. it which i would have loved to hear what super tramp came up for for Tron. right that would have been but, pretty sweet but they only use them in the real world scenes like a pop song playing in the background in an arcade right? does not feel as incongruous no. as you to know hear it... looking at the tower and yeah. hearing yeah <laughs> hearing it in the grid would have been a horrifying choice so i'm Awful. really glad they they didn't uh they didn't do that so yeah i'm with you i'm with you on that point uh well okay i guess that takes us to the end of this minute do you want to break down for the listeners where people can find you if they want to hear more of you one more time sure sure so i uh my pseudonym is one steel sister so if you go to o-n-e-s-t-e-e-l-e-s-i-s-t-e-r.com you'll find links to the four movies by minute podcasts i've done to my guest appearances to my writing because there's some of that too and you'll also find a link to what I'm calling VCR Privileges, which is going to be kind of an anthology podcast. We're going to do a different season every summer, highlighting a movie that was when you got control of that VCR with all your little child fist might, what movie did you put on over and over again? And the first movie we're going to talk about in summer 2020 is a league of their own we're gonna break oh, it down one inning at a time nice. so nine episodes one inning at a talking time talking about a league oh, of their own awesome my best friend the one that i played uh lion king with and all that stuff uh we were both baseball obsessed cool and a league of their own came out and we were two girls we were two years apart we we saw Dottie and kit and we were like we will be obsessed with this <laughs> and there was a summer where we watched a league of their own every single day amazing for like a month straight and we did other things too but just at some point during the day if it was too hot or if it was raining and too cold we were gonna go inside and put on a league of their own so that's the one i'm starting up this summer so i'm really excited no doubt that's a great idea okay cool (laughs) all right well be sure to listen to that 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're located at tronologicallyspeaking.com, and that's our, our handle on Twitter, tronologicallyspeaking, and the Gmail is tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com. On Facebook, we're at the Tron Minute by Minute listeners page, and uh, come on by and talk to me. Let me know what's going on and how you're enjoying it so <laughs> far, because I'd love to I'd love to hear what you're doing. Give me your insights into Tron, and we're getting pretty deep in it now. We're just about coming up to minute 60, and got one uh, another half hour to go, and then the voyage will be over, and that's going to be, well, this chapter of it. So shout out to Pond5 <laughs> for the music. Special thanks to the Star Wars Minute, the Strider at All. Thank you to the creators. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and check out the huge list of movies that have been done so far and see if your favorite is there. And if it's not, consider doing one yourself. It has been a whale of a time talking to you, Tierney. I've had a tremendous amount of fun, and it's been wonderful having you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me on. This is this has been a real joy to revisit this movie and then to talk to Excellent. you. Excellent. Do you want to try a little uh, end of line on three? Sure. Okay. One, two, three. End, end of, of line. line. Oh, that was wonderful. Sure.